0: Welcome to season four of the Fit Farming Food Mom podcast. Connie is a world champion powerlifter, former bodybuilder, and an elite trainer and nutrition coach. As a movement enthusiast and health nerd, she is here on this show to speak with educated guests and dive into the realm of all things health, fitness, mindset, and everything in between. If you enjoy this show, please do us a huge favor by smashing the like or subscribe button and leaving a review. Now let's get to the show.
1: Hey friends, welcome back to another episode. I am super, super excited to have David D. Mesquita joining me to kick off a bodybuilding series that I'm going to be doing on the podcast over the next few weeks. I have had some special requests to bring back some bodybuilding stuff, so the next couple of weeks I'm going to bring all sorts of bodybuilding coaches on, uh, right down from mindset to GI health for gains to hiring the right coach to what it takes to actually get peeled and what that feels like. We're going to have a bunch of really good guests over the next few weeks, and I'm super excited for that. So uh, not only is it Bodybuilding related, I think that there's a lot that can be taken from these episodes as far as a general population standpoint goes. So, if you're one of those people that is not a bodybuilder and not interested in getting into bodybuilding, I still think you might find these episodes quite interesting. Lots of good pearls in here. Before we get to the show, I just want to remind you of the podcast sponsor, Drink Element. It is the tasty electrolyte that has everything that you need, nothing that you don't, no artificial sweeteners. No sugars. It's just awesome sodium, potassium, magnesium goodness. So I am addicted. They have a bunch of uh, winter flavors coming out, which are going to include caramel and chocolate and chocolate raspberry and uh, chai. And there are some excellent recipes that accompany those. I definitely suggest you go over and check them out. DrinkLMNT.com forward slash Connie, that'll get you a free sample pack as well. And they do have a 100% money back guarantee. So if you don't like the product, you can get your money back. You don't have to send it back. You can share it with somebody else for them to try. And it is a great deal all around. So I suggest you give their stuff a try. Before I ramble on much further, here is my podcast with David D. Mesquita. All right David super excited to have you leading the way. I'm going to be doing a series here on just bodybuilding stuff back by request because I kind of got away from bodybuilding things. Um I felt like it wasn't aligned with my current direction. I'm still into bodybuilding. I still follow it. I still have clients although I'm trying to not have clients and I'm trying to send them to smart people like you. Uh anyway uh, a lot of things. I kind of got backed away from the space a little bit, moved a little bit more towards health and um, mental health and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, excited to have you on. Going to kick off the bodybuilding series. We're going to cover all sorts of good stuff for people that are maybe thinking of competing or getting into competing or already competitors. And so I'm excited to have you leading the way.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm honestly honored to be the one that actually gets to kick this off and lead the way. You were talking about like your background and how you went from bodybuilding to powerlifting. I was like really good at powerlifting in the beginning. And then I got really injured and fell into bodybuilding. So I went the opposite direction by accident. It wasn't my choice. It was just by accident. Mm -hmm. But do you feel like blowing out some joints?
1: I mean, on a a side note, do you feel like that set a good base
0: for your bodybuilding career? All right. So it's funny because if you look at Arnold Schwarzenegger's book, there's a lot of bro science in there. But one of the major things that he talks about is get as strong as you can in the beginning. And it will set your fundamental roots in place. And this honestly has to do with basic mathematics, right? So if you are strong, which is basically a neurotransmitter in the brain saying, hey, I can lift something. That's one piece of it. That makes you a good athlete. So becoming a good, great athlete or a good athlete is the fundamental root. So then if you take the actual simple formula of I get stronger, I can lift more weight. Cool. You're lifting more weight. Now, if you reduce that weight down, you can probably do more reps now, but if you didn't do that in the first place, how are you going to rep out four five on squats? How are you going to rep out 500 pounds on squats? You're just probably never going to get there. And we see this in these people that focus solely on just bodybuilding instead of just getting better,
2: mm-hmm. just get
0: better, get as big as you can and get as strong as you can, because powerlifting and bodybuilding translate actually pretty evenly back and forth. The best thing I probably did was lift with powerlifters. When I was bodybuilding, I just did a few extra reps a set, mm-hmm. and that's when they were getting ready for shows and stuff. But sometimes they actually would go up into my like hypertrophic ranges, and it was fun, honestly. Like like squatting ass to grass, just yelling at each other. That's a fundamental route that bodybuilding was built off of. If you look at the '90s when these guys just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It was they were lifting harder and harder and harder, and there was so much more data by that point where people are like, Hey, if you train like this, then you probably you're reaping better results. Let's start training like this. And mm-hmm. for most of the most part, it worked. It's kind of like taking a football player. They're genetic elite. If you teach them how to bodybuild, guess what? They're still genetically elite. Mm-hmm. So it's becoming a great athlete is a key thing for all sports.
1: Right. And I mean, right down to, so I ha- I recently hired a new coach back in January because I had to have my shoulder repaired. And this guy, like, I was like, okay, this guy's like sensei woo woo, what, you know? Uh, and like, he was like, well, we'll see if we can work together. We're going to just take a trial phase and all these, these stuff. And I was like, okay, sure. And then he was like, well, we're going to have to re relearn everything you've ever learned. And I thought he was coming at it from like an ego standpoint. I mean, I had already been pretty successful, powerlifting i got all these national records and i won at worlds and and then i've got this guy telling me i'm gonna have to redo everything and i was kind of like what you know but then i was open because i was like you know what what other opportunity would i have to start over again and that's where all of a sudden i had my world turned upside down because i learned some serious things and it's like i mean we were talking about um previous podcasts I've done where I was like, not i now I reevaluate that. And I'm like, no, I would think of that differently. Um, and it's the same thing with training. I wish I could go back and teach my clients these things 10,000 years ago. You know what I'm saying? And he actually, so the whole time I was injured, we would just load my body. So I would pick up 405 and I would just heavy hold that, you know, and it's way more weight than I've ever had on my back. And like, why would you do that if you can't squat it? Well, all of a sudden, guess what? I could start squatting that because my body was like, Well, shit, this chick's got weight on her back. We better put some muscle on to go along with it. And I got the strongest and most jacked I ever was by not even squatting. <laughs> and so I was like, Okay, this is crazy things that we are experiencing here. So it's cool that you're talking about all this because he talks about um motor neuron connection and how when you are, when you are an advanced person, like you've been doing it for years and years, I can tell you're excited about this and we're totally getting a rabbit hole here, which always happens. But, um, he's like, listen, Connie, he's like, if you've been lifting for 10 years and you've been working on really good technique and doing all this, and he's like, you have excellent form. He's like, you can work out less, you can do less, you can do so much less and get so much more out of it because you've now trained the motor pathways and you're doing way more damage to your tissue when you go into the gym than a newbie is because you're able to recruit these muscle fibers so much more efficiently.
0: So it's super interesting. I accidentally stumbled upon that and it was more of like a bro. There was a lot of bro science that he used to use, right? Like creatine increases water and I was broke in college and it couldn't like I, once in a balloon, I could afford creatine. Right. So I'm like, Oh, I just take a bunch of sodium before I do my leg day. I'm going to have more water. I'm going to be stronger. And the funny thing is, yes, that's a fact. Like you're stronger. Just watch your blood pressure. That's a major issue. So, uh, the other thing that I used to do was I used to do rack pulls. I used to rack pull nine plates on each side. And I was like 135 pounds when I started lifting, by the way, and I could still rack plate probably seven plates around then. And when I was probably like 160, 165 pounds, I could rack pull nine plates on each side until the bar like can hold any more weight. And then when I would squat, if I was squatting 365 that day, I was putting 500 on my back for a bit to get used to it. And it like your traps would bruise and stuff like that, but you get used to holding that weight. And then I was 160 pounds wet probably by the end of that semester or so. And I had a like three months into lifting, I had a 550 deadlift for two reps and I had a 450 squat for two reps. And I blew up my hip on that second rep. I felt the hip pop on the first one. And I went back down for a second rep. I stood up. I didn't care. Like if I lived or died, I didn't care at that point in time. That's one reason why I was strong. Um, But I'd also visualize in my head before I'd go to the gym, lifting 50 pounds more. And then I was going to do that day every single day on the bar before I do it, I'd be in the hot, steaming shower, warming up, and I'd be sweating actually in the shower, getting myself mentally ready to do it. And I just do it for like three minutes, four minutes, visualize it, go to the gym. And sure enough, I jump about 20 to 30 pounds every single time I walk in the gym. That's the reason why my ligaments and joints and everything couldn't keep up with it, right? My mm-hmm. form was probably breaking down. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was three months into lifting. You mm-hmm. know, I think that people underestimate how strong the mind is. Mm-hmm. And it's really neurotransmitters telling you that's what strength is. Mm-hmm. I can do this. Mm-hmm. Now, there's also mechanical limitations that most people would never, ever see or feel. Mm-hmm. So uh, I happened to experience that a lot in my lifting journey in the beginning. And that's the reason why I got smarter with my lifting. And I fell more into the bodybuilding hypertrophic ranges just mm-hmm. because the risk was so much lower. And I was very injury prone uh, due to the way that I was lifting.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I had to get that question out of the way because it it triggered me. I was like, okay, you probably got real efficient at doing a lot with less because you started in the powerlifting space.
0: Yes. Uh, Like my squat range was always above four or five, pretty much within three years of lifting for my hypertrophic ranges. Uh, I remember in 2020, probably the leanest. Well, I may have gotten leaner last prep. I'm not sure. 2020 universe when I was prepping with John Meadows. Uh, I was four weeks out from the show. I was at 60 grams of carbs and just above trace fats for that show for a while. And I felt really good. I was just taking a nap once a day. And I was doing 455 for sets of eight, four weeks out from my show. And I was maxing out my leg press machine and doing between 30 to 50 reps, whatever my body could hold up. I do a set of squat, and a set of leg press. Very simple. Basically, walk out of the gym after that. I like, well, not walk out of the gym, crawl out of the gym. I was four weeks out with sixty grams of carbs. I was using everything that I had in the gym, Uh, and that's honestly what I love about bodybuilding. Is like, I love being depleted. I love that push. I love working hard. Um, It's funny because people also. I just posted a post actually on two weeks out. You simply exist.
1: I've been reading those. Yeah,
0: they someone didn't like that post. He's like, you're doing the bodybuilding uh, service or the bodybuilding community a disservice because when you have to provide for a family and for other people and for yourself, a livelihood, that can't be the case. And I highly disagree because I am someone that has worked minimum 70 hours a week. Even when I was in school, if you counted the hours that I was going to school plus bouncing, when I went graduated, I was working corporate Coca-Cola for about 50 hours a week and I was bouncing 20 hours a week. I was up for almost 24 hours. Actually, no, I was up for over 24 hours every single Friday to bounce just to make it through. And, you know, just because you exist doesn't mean you can't function, You can't function at a high level. Now your energy levels will be so low, you might not be able to communicate. There might be you have to choose what you want to say, because you're so tired, you can Mm -hmm. think about it. But Mm -hmm. actually physically doing that is something that is an extremely important thing. So I thought that was a really interesting one that literally just came up earlier today. And I'm going to make a post about it.
1: I love it. Well, and I like how you've been going kind of down by six weeks out, eight weeks out you should And I'm like, okay, I see where he's going with this. I like this. So, um, yeah, but so today I want to dump jump into um like things to consider when hiring a contest prep coach because sure. um, you and I both know that there is a lot of bullshit out there. And does it work? Sure, it does. Sure, sure. Sally down the street may have gotten ready for a bodybuilding show eating uh, rice and some chicken or just asparagus and fish for 16 weeks. It, that's easy. I mean, crap, I can starve someone and, and make them lose their muscle and give them all sorts of metabolic dysfunction. That's no problem. Um, but is it right? I mean, probably not. So... Um, there and there's two sides of that coin, right? But then there's some other camps we see now where people are seeing this on social media, where they're like, "Oh, well, I'm already lean and I work out, so I can do a bodybuilding show." When in fact, this is a bodybuilding show. Like, it's not about being skinny. It's not a weight loss contest. It's it's let's have some muscle and let's have some symmetry on the stage. So, today I kind of want to talk about all of that kind of stuff. We can dive down any avenue that you want. But I think also from an over, I mean, let, let's be real here. There's a couple different levels of this that we can dive into too. And so that's what makes it very hard and subjective. You have elite level bodybuilders where Probably they're going to compromise their health, but guess what? That's what they do. That's their career. I'm sure Tom Brady is not healthy in his training season. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a lot of that stuff going on, but if you're just a local person and you're wanting to step on stage for a trophy or because it looks cool on Instagram, you really do not want to compromise your long-term health. Also, there are some boxes that we need to have checked prior to starting a contest prep. And a lot of these coaches that are bro coaches feeding you the fish and asparagus don't realize that you are going to compromise your ability to lose fat if you haven't checked these other boxes. So I'm hoping you can dive into that a little bit with us.
0: Yeah. So you just talked about a lot. So I like that little bit of table content. So first and foremost, uh, how do you find a coach? I think that's the first question that we need to answer here. And the first thing that I think about when I find a coach is what are my values, right? So what level of athlete am I? Am I an amateur athlete? Do I th- be real with yourself? Seriously? Like, don't be like, I'm an amateur athlete, but I'm going to go to Olympia. Like there's a lot of steps to get to the Olympia stage. And I am someone that actually probably had the genetic capacity. No, I did have the genetic capacity to go to the Olympia stage. And currently in my life, I know I could, I could go pro. Could I, without removing ego to the side? This is very objective. Could I go to the Olympia stage if I was willing to sacrifice a lot of areas of my life, which I'm not willing to sacrifice, which I used to sacrifice, and that's okay because those are trade offs. Those are doors you have to walk through. So understanding your values and what your goals are. Are is it your goal to get to the Olympia stage? Well, you're on for a journey. Where are you at? What type of relationship do you want to build with this person? What type of health aspects do you prioritize? And it comes down to the health aspect. So this is, this is another thing that's kind of crazy. Um, we see all these crazy transformations. Crazy transformations are really cool, especially looking at them, especially the genetically elite, which is usually what is getting posted by that coach. Mm-hmm. Don't know how many people they're coaching first off. It could be a numbers game. How many pro cards do they have? Well, are they coaching 400 people and they're putting up 300 people on stage that year and they're walking away with pro cards? Well, that mathematically ratio wise is pretty low odds. Mm -hmm. Unless 50% of our roster is pro, like 200 of them, right? Mm -hmm. So now if they're putting up a 100 people on stage and 50% of those are turning pro, that's insane. Mm -hmm. And, um, That's, that's another thing. Like, so numbers can be deceiving, I think is one thing to understand. If you're looking for relationships, you should reach out to the athletes as well as previous athletes and see how that relationship was. Would they be actually willing to go back to that coach again, or do they just want to try something else later on down the road, which Mm -hmm. very well may be the case. My thing has always been when you find your coach, stick with that coach. Not only this is the thing, if you outgrow them, it's one thing. But if the coach is constantly growing, then you will, in hand, grow with that. So as they obtain more knowledge, you obtain more knowledge. As they obtain more knowledge, you maintain better results. Mm -hmm. If they are prioritizing health, hopefully, to a degree, you get healthier. Mm
2: -hmm. Now,
0: understanding lab work, understanding gastrointestinal health, If gastrointestinal health isn't an issue for you right now, understand eventually down the road, it will be an issue for you. It comes eventually, and it doesn't have to do with anything else other than the quantities of food that you're eating. So it might not be a concern for you at this moment in time. So you might not need anyone for that. But don't be egotistical and say, I'm different. You're different for now. But we are human beings. Mm -hmm. So You can be as smart with your approach as you want to, but there are sacrifices in any extreme. Mm -hmm. So with extremes come extreme results as well, potentially extreme sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And people do pass away because this process ages you. Anytime we are trying to obtain more tissue or get stronger, it ages you. Mm -hmm. Are there benefits? The the essence of bodybuilding is healthy. Mm -hmm. Stepping on a stage is not healthy. Anything you put into your body to speed up the process to grow more tissue ages you. Mm -hmm. Anything that reduces down inflammation, which is inflammation is great for muscle building of all sorts, as well as recovery. Anything that reduces down inflammation reduces down the amount of progress we can make as far as muscularity goes. Mm -hmm. And that's great for longevity. So blending longevity with bodybuilding, they technically don't go hand in hand but you can be smarter with your approach and increase as much reward and reduce as much risk as possible. Like what we were talking about with the training. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where your sweet spot comes in. So what is your risk level? For instance, if someone approaches me, you can throw, you can, I will be your experiment because I used to talk very openly about PD. still do. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's just a massive gap there. And They would say, you can throw the whole kitchen sink at me if you want to. I'm not the coach for you. Why? Because that's just not my moral values, right? Mm -hmm. I'm very methodical with my approach. I don't want anyone to have a disadvantage on stage, but I just don't need someone sacrificing their life Mm -hmm. or nothing. Professional athletes have doctors doing their stuff. Olympic athletes have doctors doing, there's a team of doctors doing their stuff. Every professional athlete in the world is taking a PED of some sort. And if you think otherwise, I'm sorry, but you're sadly mistaken. The top athletes in the world are taking PEDs. People don't want to say that blood pressure medication is a PED because they just don't know, but it is a PED. So let's roll it back in and kind of that's, I think the first step is what are your moral values? What are you looking for in a coach? Mm -hmm. And once you have that answer answered, you can start looking for coaches. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to let you lead the way, but you did talk about calories for a second. And I was going to kind of go into that as my first red flag.
1: Yeah. Okay. I like this. So, um, yeah, let's talk about the calorie game because, um, and you can correct me if this is not your finding, but I find you're usually in one or two camps when somebody comes to you and they want to approach you about stepping on stage. Typically that's this person is already in a huge deficit cuz they've either undergone a long weight a, a long-term weight loss or they've been starving themselves cuz all of a sudden they decided that they wanted to do a bodybuilding show and that was their going to be their method of weight loss. And this is for gen pop I'm talking about, not elite athletes that are like, "Yeah, I've been a bodybuilder for 6 years and I'm coming to you." But even in that camp, I find a lot of these people have never actually reversed up to a maintenance calorie surplus so they can even build. So let's talk about how you feel about that.
0: Yeah, I kind of want to reverse this into what I personally see nowadays because of the level of where I am at coaching. Mm -hmm. I'm usually getting pretty good athletes or really sick athletes, usually really sick athletes. Mm -hmm. So we can talk about that. Now, this is usually coming to me from these athletes are national competitors or professional competitors. Maybe they didn't feel like their approach was the best in previous history or B, they're just sick now. So I usually get a lot of gastrointestinal cases and a lot of issues with lab work. With males, it's going to be around heart disease prevention more so than anything else. So the whole key, you can't... It's hard to be in a deficit and then to go into a show first and foremost. Like you're coming to me and you were in a deficit doing a bunch of cardio and just wasting away. I'm going to say, all right, I'm going to add food in and you're still going to drop body fat. Watch what happens. And they just get tighter and leaner. Why? They're replenishing their glycogen storage first off in their muscle tissue. However, you don't need to be at 800 calories to get in this competition stage. I have never had a hundred pound woman below 1100 calories a day without one to two refeeds a week. Mm Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is the thyroid downregulates. So you're talking about meta, it's metabolic adaptation is really what it is. So your thyroid starts to downregulate your metabolism so that you don't have to have as much of a caloric maintenance. Mm-hmm. It's a relatively slow process. However, there are ways to prevent that metabolic adaptation like refeeds. If you're taking the slower route, well, you might need more time. So if someone thinks they're going to get stage ready or absolutely peeled out of their mind for cool, without being an experienced bodybuilder in 12 weeks, you're sadly mistaken. Plus Mm -hmm. if you're a genetic anomaly, which I have actually had a woman in the past, and she's a genetic anomaly, five-week prep, and actually she DEXA scanned in two weeks after her show. She was third place. It was my first bikini athlete ever, pro athlete, third place with her showing with me. She DEXA scanned in at 6.6% body fat five weeks later, genetically. And most people are needing 16 to 20 weeks of prep. If it's your first bodybuilding show, it should be approximately 24 weeks. Mm -hmm. You need a priming phase to where your coach gets the opportunity to get a metabolic control of you, figure out where your metabolism actually is, where's your baseline. And then you go from there. Do you have enough muscle tissue? Well, if you're trying to become a national competitor, do you actually have enough muscle tissue? And the answer is a lot of these natural competitors still don't have enough muscle tissue. Mm -hmm. So how much time do you need to build? So I think the number one red flag for me would be only posting transformation photos of your genetically elite and other people to have the results of that. There needs to be disclaimer involved. Also, how healthy was that person on the back end? Mm -hmm. No one talks about the before health and the after health. Some of these people are absolutely obliterated. In fact, that's the reason why I got into coaching to begin with, is I mm-hmm. I unfortunately was pulled into coaching because mm-hmm. there were so many, mainly sick women. Mm-hmm. There are really sick men as well. It's just not as prevalently talked about because you have to put your ego to the side and say, hey, my gut shot or mm-hmm. hey, my cholesterol is absolutely obliterated. And I need to come off androgens now. That's probably <laughs> good. You can't run a year out
1: yeah or like the ones that take a bunch, bunch of estrogen blockers and crash their e2 and then their cholesterol and heart stuff is also awful and they can't get an erection and all of the other things that go along with that we i mean um and i i similarly got into it for that and the the podcast I was talking about that i did uh, on coaching red flags long ago that was part of why i decided to get into coaching was because so many people were totally annihilated after these transformation photos
0: So one of the major red flags that you just talked about was crashing E2. So E2 is the most active form of estrogen. And you don't need to take estrogen blockers to get peeled. In fact, males are most likely going to be on masterone or primabolin, which drops your systemic estrogen level by the way that it binds. That's first and foremost. So your estrogen is probably going to be pretty low. And usually you're taking low aromatizing drugs besides testosterone, which eventually usually drops out for a show. And it doesn't take much time to completely bottom out your estrogen. You want to talk about bad joints, low estrogen. It's not the wind straw. You want to talk about no libido, low estrogen. You want to talk about losing your mind, low estrogen. The only hormone that we're getting from steroids that protects our minds neuroprotective is estrogen Mm -hmm. estrogen is great for us not only that but when you're talking about getting stage ready and looking a certain way estrogen helps with glycogen uptake to the skeletal muscle tissue so Having lower estrogen is fine, but taking four different types of estrogen blockers, true estrogen blockers, is not needed to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. You don't need letrozole with aromacin, with arimidex, with Nolvidex, which Nolvidex is a serum. Mm-hmm. So that's a protocol that I actually see nowadays, which is just blows my mind. Mm-hmm. I think that low estrogen does add a drying look. But we also see some guys that are not genetically elite or have the density of muscle tissue that do this protocol and they're super dry and flat on stage. And then they're also taking diuretics going to the show. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of diuretics either. I think that everything has a time and place for everything. So I'm not gonna be a hypocrite or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, However, I'm just not a fan of it. I think it makes most people look worse. If you take a diuretic, you can't cut off your water intake. In fact, you should never cut off your water intake. Uh, There should be some form of water. Unless it's for a very small gap Time like there's a hormone. Okay, this is this is a huge red flag for me. There is a hormone called diuresis, which is a natural hormone that releases from the kidneys that has a diuretic-like effect. You can trigger this to release, and it has better pulling properties than any diuretic pharmaceutical you can take. um, Diuretics, when you take them, will work. They can't not work. They're gonna pull water from the kidneys. So if you just stop drinking. Well, there is a hormone called aldosterone Mm -hmm. and you're going to start uptaking water. It's a survival thing. Mm -hmm. That's all there is to it. Like your body's overstressed, so it's starting to release and you're starting to uptake. And usually what happens is that is actually subcutaneous water.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: If we're fat-free, we can't hold much subcutaneous water because that's pretty much where your water is going to store. Unless you have gastrointestinal distress, that's kind of another topic of discussion. However, Mm -hmm. so my, my thing with estrogen is you don't need to bottom it out. And I'm also, personally, I think that you should be open-minded enough to try different peak approaches, uh, predominantly with yourself, probably before clients, Mm -hmm. and figure out what works. That's without trying to go to pharmaceutical needs first. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, because the world is their oyster, they feel, they lean into it and... It can damage people permanently, damaging your kidneys. Kidneys don't recover. Liver will no. recover. Right. you have your liver and it's going to recover your kidneys, that can be for life. Mm-hmm. So get it, developing scar tissue in your kidneys slowly over time, you're eventually going to have a heart attack when you're getting ready for a show.
1: Right. Well, and you just touched on a lot of things here and I usually don't pull my own personal things into here, but I was getting entertained by this because so back when I first got into bodybuilding, I, I had a lot of knowledge in like the, um, the natural pathic health space. Right. You know, and I knew everything I was doing was wrong and everyone's like, Oh, you look so great. I'm like, Oh yeah. But it, in my head, I'm like, ooh, ooh, bad, bad, bad juju, you know? And, um, I had, I, I switched coaches cause the first one I had, didn't have a lot of knowledge. So here's another thing we can touch on just because they're an IFBB pro does not mean they know what they're doing. So, um, we can get into that rabbit hole in a moment, but my second bodybuilding coach was an IFBB pro. She looked absolutely incredible. Uh, but she had no knowledge. And, um, basically I had a friend that was coaching with her, talked me into switching coaches. I ended up switching coaches. Cause I, the coach I was working with, I knew wasn't doing me any service because she had me in the off season and like 900 calories. Cause she was trying to keep her people lean. So I had quit her. I hired this new coach and I, I, uh, anyway, long and short of it is I came into my final weeks of prep at 600 calories and two hours of cardio a day. And then I was still hanging on to water, which now I know why obviously. Uh, but uh, I was still hanging on to water. So what she do, she throws on, I I had been on no carbohydrates for like several weeks. She puts me on a diuretic and then I sit in a sauna and sweat everything out for the next 48 hours. And guess what? I looked like a skeleton on stage. I had the muscle tissue. It was there the days, the you know weeks leading up to even days really. But then when we cut that water and put me on a diuretic, I could not fill back out again because there was nothing to put into the muscle tissue. So I ended up hanging on to more water and looking like a skeleton on stage. And only after that happened, did a little thing go in my head go, oh, I understand what just happened now. And I started looking into it. And next thing you know, I'm like, oh. That never should have happened that way. And, you know, live and learn, right? I did essentially use myself as my own experiment in my head. And I had even asked her several times. So, you know how you get to this place, you're with a coach and and it's not her fault. I mean, I was just doing, I mean, I could have said no, right? Uh, (laughs) But in your head, you hire a coach, you want to, you don't want to second guess what they're doing, but you probably want to ask them a little bit more of their plan because, um, I think it's really important to to know that they're informed and that they have an overall master plan. Uh, And so at the time I did what I was told, and I now know that that doesn't work. Uh, And it's actually embarrassing because if people type in my name and bodybuilder, they're probably going to see the worst stage photos they've ever seen because I look like a starving Ethiopian. Um, It's real bad. And uh, anyway, so in a nutshell, though, you can't pull water and and also take a diuretic, like you said, because of aldosterone and stuff. And I'm a personal prime example of that. I I have been there and done that.
0: Yeah, you talk on the point of IFBB Pro does not mean you're a good coach. Mm -hmm. It's uh, definitely not a certification. It is a massive checkbox for that person, though, but it does not make them a more valuable trainer or coach or anything like that. It usually means that they have at least two times of stepping on stage, though, which is better than some people that are coaching competition prep athletes. I don't personally believe that you can step on stage one time and have been through enough hard preps or bad preps to have a good prep because it takes time to go through bad preps to finally have a good prep approach. You know, Mm -hmm. that's what the coach is there for to lead you into a good prep approach on that first shot, Mm -hmm. which is not always the case. Um, my first prep was actually pretty smooth, and then my second prep was brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so IFBB Pro, let's talk about that really fast. So red flag, copying and pasting what has been done on them on you, which is a massive one that you all see. It is essentially a cookie cut from someone else. In fact, it's funny. Um, I was just having this conversation. I've thought about this a long time. Someone used to copy and paste my training programs. Um, and I actually stopped using Excel sheet, and I actually switched it into a PDF. So they at least had to write it out. Mm-hmm. So, um, like there is straight up copying and pasting that happens. I find it less frequent nowadays, but I do see people regurgitating protocols from the coach they're with, mm-hmm. with someone else. Um, now that doesn't always necessarily mean it's a bad thing. Hopefully it's a good coach that they're coached by. So mm-hmm. you're getting some good protocols of some sort. However, that's a very real thing that happens. Um, I, there's also, because these people are sometimes the genetically elite, there have been crazy things done they have gotten away with that has turned them pro. Mm-hmm. And then when you're talking about the genetically superior, crazier things can be done with Olympians mm-hmm. because you're like, oh, I have this amazing athlete and I have all these resources to use a thumb and they get thrown the whole kitchen sink and completely ruined health wise. And Mm -hmm. then that gets secondhand passed down. And that's where things get dangerous. Mm -hmm. Um, So hopefully the good protocol is being passed down. But yeah, uh, the whole copy and paste.
1: Isn't that an Instagram thing though, right? Like you go on there, it says IFBB Pro DM for coaching. And people automatically go, oh, well, this person's a professional. They automatically know what they're doing. Well, you don't, I mean, you you talk about the genetically elite. You don't know who coached them. You don't know what protocols. You don't know how much time it's taken. You don't know what drugs they're using. Like, unless you're willing to go through what they do in order to be where you want to be, you may want to take into consideration all of those factors.
0: Yeah. One, one big thing that I think is a coaching green flag is Turning someone with mediocre genetics or bad genetics into a great bodybuilder, building someone from the ground up takes talent Mm -hmm. and making sure that they stay healthy so they can keep going takes talent. It takes Mm -hmm. conscious effort and care to do that. So I think consciousness and attentiveness and care, care is the big one. For me, uh, for instance, like for me, and this is just what works for me. This is not every coach does not need to do this. This is just what works for me. Um, My athletes are in peak week actually are texting me check-ins. So the first thing I wake up and see when I wake up in the morning Mm -hmm. and they're checking in multiple times a day because just paying attention goes such a long way. Mm -hmm. Now, does it require more effort? Well, anytime you pay attention, it's kind of like being sitting in class versus being in class, right? When you're being in class, you can actually learn. When mm-hmm. you're sitting in class, well, you might be drawing stick figures fighting dragons. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I don't know why my brain just went there, but <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, it's totally a real thing. So I want to dive into the health basis of this. So we talked into there's different levels, obviously. So um, like how much are you willing to sacrifice to get to your goal? I think that's a good thing that you touched on as far as who you're going to pick for your coach with that. Um, How are you coming to that coach? Like what, how, what have you been eating? Where's your base? Have you been training before? Or are you just lean and now you want to get into training? These are some things to take into consideration. Um, Picking a coach, maybe not based so much off of their status, but more um, what their values are and their knowledge base is, I think is huge. Um, So now let's talk about the functional end of this. Because as we touched on in the beginning, there is some bro coaches out there that will definitely get you lean. Uh, Will it be optimal for you in the future as far as staying lean? And will it be optimal for your overall health? And will it be optimal for your stage look? These are some things we need to take into consideration when you're working with someone that doesn't have a good understanding of physiology.
0: Yeah. So the first thing is they hopefully have taken a basic biology course. It's something that most bodybuilding coaches need to actually take. And unfortunately, I feel like just being completely missed. We were talking about right before this podcast, like something as simple as ATP production, right? Like, which is a fundamental route to how we're actually going to perform Mm -hmm. is forgotten that that's actually a thing. So That's one thing. However, when it comes to the functional space, functional space is getting hit pretty hard right now too. Mm -hmm. I think when you're looking at longevity, there's a few different aspects you need to look at. Like there is medical health. So when you're looking at a coach, if a coach can put their ego to the side and outsource certain aspects, such as the functional aspect and medical aspect, some people do not want to be a genius in this area. Mm -hmm. And that's fine, but they need to be egotistical, They need to have their ego in check enough to where they're okay doing that, and have Mm -hmm. a right-hand person or a left-hand person, or whatever it is, or outsource that to something, or Mm -hmm. outsource it to a doctor. For God's sakes, like there Mm -hmm. should be some type of doctor involved, yeah. um, At least where you can get labs run. So that's Mm -hmm. that's one thing. If you have a coach that's really good with competition prep, and they don't know the medical how to read labs, which Mm -hmm. most coaches don't know how to read labs, even though they say they do. Uh, if they don't know how to fix your gastrointestinal health, they don't know how to do any of this stuff. It's perfectly okay as long as you're willing to understand that going in. And then they outsource or recommend someone out or you already have someone that's really good at that. And then they mm-hmm. can work in conjunction and then you have a nice little team going on. Mm-hmm. So, But if not, then what you're going to be left with is a lot of depression post-show. Mm-hmm. A downregulated thyroid just from dieting down. I mean, that's just a natural thing that happens. You might be left with balding. You might be left with erectile dysfunction. You might be left with financial distress. Like all these things are very real. And I hate the word suffering because suffering is having something like cancer or something like that where you're literally sick. The, can, suffering is being sick. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be sick to compete. Maybe sick mentally, because it takes a little crazy person to get actually peeled, right? But you don't need to suffer. There is such thing as pointless suffering. And that's why I do use that word suffering sometimes, because I found out that there is such thing as pointless suffering, where it's just not needed. You don't have to be sick to compete. In Mm -hmm. fact, the healthier you are when you're competing, and if you're just tired in a prep, then you're doing good for yourself. You're Mm -hmm. tired and weak, you're doing good for yourself. If you're sick, plus all that other stuff, and you're not sleeping, and you're balding, and your blood pressure's through the roof, and your relationship is falling apart, and your finances are going out the window, that is not a good prep. I, I have been through it, a bad preps. And that's why I'm telling you, it is not a good prep. So I think understanding the stories from the athletes previously and what they've experienced from their overall health which isn't being posted publicly, I post my athletes health from time to time. But again, I'm pretty private about most of my stuff. And I always ask for permission before I do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It's just to spread the word that like women, like you can pretty much keep a menstrual cycle aligned for the most part during a prep, you might lose it like a month before the show or skip two periods. But if you're losing it for doing a 24 week prep, and you lost your menstrual cycle off the rip, that's Mm -hmm. not normal, by the way. No, so That's a major piece. With the functional health piece, if they're really good at it, they should be able to implement natural supplements to prevent your labs from being impacted. And I'm just going to keep it super high level there. You should have some things deployed to at least help with the first pass of your gastrointestinal system so that you hopefully don't get bacterial overgrowth. Now, you'll probably eventually get it. However, those are some things in place. You want preventative measures put in place. If you're on PEDs, there should be some type of balance where you're reducing down the overall risk. There should be some synergy there. It's all actually synergistic. When you optimize your biology, we are machines. If we look Mm -hmm. at ourselves like that, well, we're actually not machines because if you're comparing us to a car, race car, right? The engine blows out in a race car, the tires blow out. Well, that car is still intact. Mm -hmm. If our engine blows out, that's our heart. We're dead. So If we're technically, but if you look at it as like a machine, if we're a broken machine, we can never function optimally. So what are you going to enhance? But if you're actually functioning at 100% capacity from a mathematical standpoint, now you can actually go to 110%. Mm -hmm. But if you're at 99% from a mathematical standpoint, you can actually never get above 100%. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, so, and I want to dive into this just a little bit, David, because the thing is, is this is another coaching red flag. If they want to put you on performance enhancing drugs right off the bat before you have gotten your sleep in check, before you've gotten your gut health in check, before you've gotten your nutrition aligned, before you've checked all the basic foundational boxes, then that is a red flag.
0: So, the question that I always say, or the statement that I always make is if you're given a what, They should have an answer why Mm -hmm. they should be able to give a reason. And if they can't give a reason, one, they're either too busy, which is usually not the case, or B, they don't have the knowledge to answer that question. And if they don't have the knowledge to answer that question, probably run Mm -hmm. because they're giving you something that they don't even understand.
1: Mm Hmm. Well, so, and on a side note on this, it happens real frequently. And we kind of touched on this in the beginning. So we do have coaches out there that may have IFBB pro athletes, right? And they may be posting these athletes. However, it doesn't mean that they are going to coach you that way. There are also coaches out there that have favorites and they have the genetically elite and they can get these people where they need them to get. And there, who knows? I mean, I've seen that a lot of these people are growing it up with these people. They're best friends. They're like, you know, I mean, it, it, there's so many different levels of that. And, um, to a, a note on that, I actually had hired a new powerlifting coach last year and he's like the elite of the elite best powerlifting coach out there, blah, blah, blah. And some things I, I saw some things that weren't aligning with my training and the results I was getting. And I brought it up and I was like, Hey, so-and-so I was like, um, I was wondering if at our next check-in, we could talk about some of my training protocols because here's what's going on. Here's what I see. I'm 85 pounds down on my bench. Like all this stuff's going on. And instead of him saying, Oh yeah, let me answer your questions. He said, you just have to trust the process had a mega meltdown and fired me. (laughs) And Yeah. And I was thinking, you know, it's funny because if if any of my clients were ever concerned about their progress, a, it would be two things I would want to know, because if I didn't tell him, say, I didn't tell this guy that I was bombing all my benches for the last two weeks. Say, I didn't tell him he doesn't know he can't fix my, my nutrition or my training or whatever. So, um, a, I want my clients to let me know B if they are concerned and I do have a master plan, I might be saying, hey, I know, Connie, that you're down 85 pounds on your bench right now, but I anticipate that's going to turn around. What I'm trying to do is lighten the volume right now and do this. Or like I would have some kind of reason for the way that things are going and where I envision it turning out, right? And I would want to know if that's what's actually going on. Uh, Instead of giving somebody an answer like you need to trust the process. You hear that all the time in bodybuilding. Uh, Trust the process. Or I guess you don't trust my process enough, so there's no point for us to continue working together.
0: Yeah. So we were talking about uh, moral values and people, right? And one thing for me was always relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually funny because John Meadows was one of my mentors and coaches, Matt, Matt Porter and John. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Porter, it took me two months to convince him to get take me on, by the way. And I was already a pretty solid national competitor, right? Um, and I was getting ready for a national show and he finally agreed to take me on. He goes, the only agreement is you don't compete at this national show. So I actually took that flight and flew up and I actually sat next to him and watched the show with him. And that was our first interaction together. And we had a before and after, and I, I worked the booth with him at the Arnold classic. I actually didn't have much of a relationship with him. I told him I would be the easiest client ever. I'm going to check in, do what I'm told. And that's it. Like, just tell me what to do. I'm not going to question anything. And I didn't question anything. And I just kept doing this process and went from uh, 183 pounds, um, which was around my stage weight, right? And that wasn't me peeled. That was my stage weight, but I was not peeled for that show. Mm -hmm. The only show I don't consider myself like actually like truly stage lean. Um, And I ended up weighing after six months, 242 pounds. And I said, Hey man, I was like, I think you would find this interesting. I just did a side by side. Right. And I guess at that time he was actually getting docked for not being able to grow athletes and he's coaching Terrence Ruffin and Natalia. Right. So he actually posted me to his page and he wasn't even really posting them. He posted my back lat spread. Right. And it was like a 60 pound difference. Within and this, at, at that moment in time, it was maybe around four months into it. And two of those months, I was on TRT, right? Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's like, how much insulin are you running? And I actually hadn't even touched insulin at that point in time. So after that point in time, he definitely took like, not favoritism towards me. It was so very mundane, like check in, answer, but, or, get my plan, execute the plan. Mm-hmm. And we ended up building a really good relationship with each other until he passed away. Mm-hmm. John Meadows... Taught me what great coaching was. Like, like Matt Porter was a great coach. He actually, I think, would be considered potentially the best bodybuilding coach right now Mm -hmm. if he was still alive. Mm -hmm. John Meadows, I consider the best coach ever in bodybuilding history. Um, besides Hani, because I don't actually know him personally or know his methodologies or how he works with this athlete. I would consider him actually like with John and him, pretty much on par with like what I see that he does, Mm -hmm. but I don't actually know. So I'm gonna talk about what I know. John. You could take him as a coach and you could put him in any sport and you can see it with his football. He would have ended up being an NFL coach, guarantee guaranteed or NCAA coach
2: mm-hmm.
0: in the NFL. Why? He had to go through so much just to turn pro. He failed so many times, but failures allow you to grow. So relativity is extremely important for coaching. Why? You understand the psychology of the athlete. Not only that, but when you understand the psychology of an athlete, you know what that athlete is going through. So it builds a better fundamental to communicate on a better line of communication.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: If someone says something is wrong, like they don't feel good for a certain reason, you need to take a step back and think about why did why, what's going on. And then mm-hmm. you start going down a list, like first thing first, and you kind of let it ride and second thing and let it ride. And you, you get better at doing that as a coach. Like that takes relative experience and process of elimination to know what the, what the highest odds of something are being right. Mm-hmm. Like this is going to be 90% chance based off of my relative experience. Let's go down this route. Mm-hmm. And if it isn't, well, then you have a 10% odds. And what is the next thing that you're going to do? hmm but being able to communicate openly with an athlete allows for long-term success.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Building a fundamental better relationship over time builds trust. That builds a trust within your process. Mm-hmm. But trust is earned, not given.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: people forget that. We we learn it when we're kids, hopefully, that trust is literally earned. But you, you remove that trust from the equation, like you ruin that trust one time, earning that trust back is extremely difficult. So if you're paying someone, you're going to get fired first off, Mm -hmm. be open to communicate and understand the psychology and what that person is actually going through. When you have a depleted hormonal athlete, no matter what, you're going to be hormonal natural or not, like your hormones are tanking if you're natural. And if you're on hormones and you might be a little bit crazy, you know, Mm -hmm. so that being said is having been through that and being able to help them through that process. Like for instance, I posted two weeks out, how you should probably feel. Mm -hmm that's probably fine. I've been through it enough times to know where I know that that's actually okay. That's how it should be. And a lot of these amateur competitors, first time competitors are telling, reaching out to me, like your posts are so helpful because this is actually what I'm experiencing. Mm -hmm. And if you're experiencing things, not within those lines, most likely something is off to a degree. Um, And I think another red flag for a coach. And I just, I just want to throw this out there is poaching. So if a coach is reaching out to you, asking you to let you coach them, they're either hungry for money or they just want to do something, right? Mm-hmm. So they're, they're looking for something on the tail end. Mm-hmm. So it's either a physical aspect or B, they just want you on their team because they know that you can be great. Mm-hmm. Most likely if that coach was treating you properly that you're with, you're going to tell them to buzz off, but they'll keep digging in and digging in and foot in the door and foot in the door. It's kind of like, I mean, I hate to say it. I see guys all the time dealing with women's like foot in the door. It's like, it's like, Oh, it's a really pretty day outside. It's like, yeah, you want to go home? It's like, wait, wait, I thought the sky was pretty outside. Where did that come from? You know, it's uh, just like out of the blue, like they're, they're looking for something on the tail end, being friendly with another coach is probably fine. Like friendly relationships. Cool. But as soon as they're like, Hey, yeah. And they start stepping on your coach's toes, stay away. Like that is, that is a sign. Like even when athletes reach out to me, I, Unless if it's like around like a medical consultation of some sort, which like I can't do, but mm-hmm. um, like, like analysis of some sort to see yeah. what's going on. And it's a paid consultation. I'm not giving that person advice. And one, I don't step on coach's toes. So your coach better know that you're doing a consultation than you're like, let your coach know. He's going to be like, oh yeah, sure. Well, mm-hmm. hopefully, hopefully if they don't have the knowledge for it, they're like, that's the ego thing. They don't yeah. have the knowledge for the subject. Like, fu- like you have gastrointestinal distress, right? Mm -hmm. And you run a test and they're like, I have no clue what to do with this. Like, here's a reference, right? Mm -hmm. But if they say, Hey, like, Oh, you have all this stuff. Yeah. We can just let's throw a digestive enzyme in there and you have bacterial overgrowth. Yeah. That's not going to do that much. Um, So I think that's a huge thing is like that ego aspect. So those are like two big coaching red flags that I see is like reaching out and scouting athletes Mm -hmm. is a painful one that I have seen time and time again.
1: Well, and to add, just to piggyback on that real quick, David, so you do have a lot of people and I'm sure you get these DMS all the time where somebody will reach out to you and she be like, Hey, I'm, I'm two weeks out. I'm really exhausted here. What's going on. My coach is doing this, this and this. And, and we have to think of it this way is that's just a snapshot of the master plan. So what they may be telling you in their 30 sentences may not actually be part of the master plan. It may not be what happened before. It may not be what happened after. And so when people reach out to me with those kind of questions, I'm usually like, I cannot answer that because I do not know your coach's master plan. There may have been something else going on here. Um, Should you be feeling this way? Maybe, maybe not it would be something that would take a little bit more deep diving. And even then without, I mean, there's even been times I will be quite honest with you. Um, there's another couple coaches that we all kind of bounce off of each other sometimes, um, in the strength. I love strength for some reason, strength's a little more open to, um, I guess like collaborating with you on things, but I have another strength coach. He's like, Hey, I got this gal and she's got this going on and that going on. And, and would you mind just taking a peek at her labs or doing a consult with her and seeing? And I said, hey, I said, hey, how about this? I said, why don't we do it together? Like, I have no problem with that. And I think a good coach is willing to collaborate. Like say, okay, you reached out to me in your DMs. Here's how you're feeling. If you're open to it, maybe we should all three talk about this. And I know that sounds like a crazy thing, but it's actually really incredible. I've done two or three of these now. It's really great. And especially from the coaching aspect, maybe that coach has their eyes open to something they overlooked before. So I I mean, I think that DMs can be real tricky when you're sending a message to a coach to ask them, hey, this is what my coach is doing, because you may not know what your coach's master plan either is.
0: I completely agree with that. I've actually done um, some consults and had the coach on the call with the athlete. I've asked them, I'm like, I'm like, do you just want to be on the call with me? Usually they're just like, I oh, just do it. And sometimes mm-hmm. they'll like pop into the call, and like, oh, what's up? So, mm-hmm. it, a lot of people also thank me for posting knowledge for free, which mm-hmm. blows my mind, right? Back in the day, actually, body. Do you want to talk about the evolution of online coaching really fast? I'm going to talk. I'll talk about that in one second. But the first thing I want to say is a red flag because we're talking about really high level athletes and stuff like that. There are coaches that pay Olympian athletes to let them coach them, and sometimes <laughs> them a shadow coach. So,
1: I was going to actually bring that up when you were talking about IFBB pro coaches a, a while ago. So this is great.
0: That that definitely happens. Uh, it is not really what much spoken about, and some of the top coaches in the world do this. Mm-hmm. Now it's one thing if you're like sponsoring that athlete through the company to make sure that they are getting paid a salary and stuff like that through there. But there are coaches that are like, Hey, I'm sure I'm going to pay you. And they built piggyback and build an entire business off of it. And Mm -hmm. I've seen it happen. I've seen really big businesses being built off of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I say in my lane and I'm not going to name any names. Mm -hmm. However, it does happen. And it's not a one-off person. It's Mm -hmm. many people have done it. Uh, so jumping into the evolution of online coaching, I think this one's kind of cool because we're talking about coaching red flags. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: This is like the epitome of coaching red flags of how online coaching became to be. <laughs> this is so good. All right, so there used to be bodybuilding forums way back in the day. People were posting mm-hmm. their cycles. People were posting their diets. Their their perspective. It is basically a massive online scientific study, probably one of the best bodybuilding studies ever done because everyone is posting everything. Professional athletes. All the best coaches in the world back in the day, you know, like they were just going to ham and like everyone was collaborating together was one big closed off massive network of bodybuilders. Mm -hmm. Then someone started charging for, I don't remember who it was actually. I I someone actually uh, that I was just talking with a while ago, like just a throwback. They actually Mm -hmm. knew who the person was. And I know that it happened with Matt Porter also, but someone started charging for basically a PD protocol, right? Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Wait, that's literally what I wrote—like word for word, like copy and paste." And then it kept happening. Like all these, all these people were seeing. Like this, people were paying money and getting what they were getting from the forms Everything was copy and paste from the forms So then, every all these online coaches basically were like, "Screw this! I'm getting off the forms I'm charging people for what I know. I'm charging for the experiments that I'm doing that are working over and over again." Like the antidotal evidence, that's gone. This is mine now. Mm-hmm. And then they started charging for it. So it's that's actually how online coaching became to be. They started charging for what was free originally. Mm-hmm. So that was, was kind of cool. A lot of people don't know that that's actually how online coaching became to be, at least paid online coaching.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, now you see a lot of copy-paste coaching, but let's take it one step further. I literally had a coach tell me the other day, a coach, I use that in parentheses, to me, there's two entirely different things. You have a programmer or you have a coach and they are two very different things. You have somebody that can give you a roadmap. Here you go, David, you have this, you go do it. You're, you'll probably get where you need to be. go. Or you have people that go, David, you look a little inflamed. You look tired here. This is going on. I see this. We need to, t- we need to change this. This is not right. You know, or how's your mental health? You're coming to me and you're like, oh, I guess it's okay, but I just think of donuts all day or, you know, I mean, and then that there's, you have to dive into that. Oh, well, maybe we need to change something here so that your mental health stays good or whatever. So there's a big difference between a programmer and a coach, but let's take it one step further. People are now using AI to write people's programs. And
0: I was talking with someone the other day because people were asking about application season. I should do everything raw in Excel and I actually write out my macronutrients raw. So like, it's off the top of my head and off basically like, if I need to Google something, I could Google something, but mm-hmm. because every application is slightly different on macronutrients, mm-hmm. but I've been doing this so long. I literally do it off the top of my head. I actually like knowing that people know that everything is manual. Mm-hmm. Now I would love an application to do everything for me where it's all consolidated out in one location. I'm gonna tell you right now, there is no good application out there right now. I know I'm gonna get application pitches all the time. You should try this app out. I know the applications that are out there. I know the AI software that's out there. Mm-hmm. I'm coming from an IT background. I build out some of the biggest companies' applications in the world. I mm-hmm. know what is out there. Yeah, and I know how to build software, and no one has done it right in this industry. And I could very well do it myself if I had if I had the capital. I won't. Well, or it's mainly the time at this point. Um, I would build out software that could be used for literally. Every industry within the fitness industry, I'm talking powerlifting, I'm talking about bodybuilding. Like it's not really, it is complex, but it's not complex also. It just needs to be done right. Mm-hmm. And in AI, everyone, it's so funny. Everyone's like, oh chat GBT, AI. Look, AI has been out for a decade, you guys, way over a decade. But like within the IT space and big data space, which was actually my specialization. So I feel like if anyone's able to talk about this within the fitness space, it might be me. It was literally my degree. My specialization within my degree was data and big data and how data transfers and how you can do analytical analysis. That's what my degree was in. Mm-hmm. And there are statutes of limitation to what AI can do. There will always be a statute of limitation of what data can do. Mm-hmm. It is going to be amazing long-term. There's a reason why GPT was an open operating system, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're gonna, they're gonna get so much publicity and they're gonna get the biggest collective of data ever. Mm-hmm. and if you try to do medical terminologies and stuff like that, on ChatGPT, it's very, very standardized. Like PD, it's actually kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, oh, I cannot answer. I cannot recommend anything, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like basically within like HIPAA compliance, like they don't have that data because there's actually companies spending trillions of dollars trying to collect that data and whoever wins, wins everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're just going to buy out all the other companies. So all that it is, is ChatGPT, they're trying to utilize open source software right now to collect as much data as they can within five to 10 years, because it's going to take that much time and then they can release a sophisticated AI technology. It's not Mm -hmm. there yet. Will it be there eventually? I mean, there's going to be a point in time where I can plug in macronutrients and spit out a decent or good, probably a good diet plan, actually better diet plan than most coaches are probably doing. Mm -hmm. And that's just the truth behind it. However, is it going to be like, all right, well, The person weighs this much and they can utilize a little bit more liver glycogen maybe i should add some fruit into their diet right Mm -hmm. Uh, they have this autoimmune disease well that's locked behind closed doors within the companies that are paying for all that autoimmune disease data and genetic Mm -hmm. and genomic data spending billions of dollars trying to get this data and seeing who wins the race first that's being done it's not there yet so Mm -hmm. that's just the truth behind it i think it's great. I like knowing that I know what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> and if I did use AI software, which I'm there will be an application within the next two years that will be able to, I can spit up, give them macronutrients and I can get a 90% done plan. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm ever going to get a 100% done plan the way that I need it done. They also, Really, don't do a lot of studies within the bodybuilding space. Mm-hmm. And the studies that do, are done within the bodybuilding space, this is so funny. If you look at studies done within the bodybuilding space, they are laughable mm-hmm. because usually it's a populace of 10 to 20 people. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many hundreds of thousands of people you have to have to rule out true outliers? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and then you get women who are, who who hormonally fluctuate and have all these other things. And there's hardly any studies on that. And so that's a whole nother can of worms, right?
0: (laughs) So you want to talk about can of worms, uh, birth control was originally denied by the FDA. Anyone who was on that original panel, that was the reason why they got it banned that spoke out against it when they actually legalized it were barred from being able to do studies again. They weren't allowed to speak up anymore. They were silenced. Uh, not all of them spoke up, but some of them did, and they were no longer allowed to talk. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um was quite unfortunate.
1: Yeah, it was funny. This coach that was telling me this, though, he was like, yeah, all I do is I say... I tell it whatever I want. He's like, I say, hey, I need a meal plan that's 150 protein, 175 carbs and 35 fat. And it tells me exactly what I need. And then that's what I give to my client. And then he's like, yeah. And I'm even able to train triathletes and stuff now because all I have to do is ask it to send, to tell me the perfect uh, triathlon training plan and it will do that. And so then I start looking around. So I start seeing all these things, right? And I'm I'm kind of like naive to these things, I guess, because I'm so genuine and I'm like, I I, I read my reviews on Google the other day and this beautiful review was on there. And I was like, wow. And I sent that client a message and I was like, that was, thank you so much. That was the most beautiful review I've ever read. And she goes, Oh, have you tried this app? She's like, I literally just tell it, write an amazing review for my house cleaner and it will do that. And I was like, What? And she's like, yeah, it's a lifesaver. Like if you need to write a note to somebody because their grandma died, all you have to do is just tell it, write a note to my sister-in-law for her grandmother's passing and it will write a note for me. And that was when all of a sudden I start looking at some of these curated Instagram posts and i'm like holy shit these people are using ai to write this stuff then that's one place where i have a lot of respect for you because when you read your stuff you know it's totally coming uh-huh. it's coming right out of your brain like no ai came up with this crap because you're like at this point you should feel like blah 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 blah, blah. and it's usually got some form of sor- sarcasm in it which ai can't do and um Anyway, so that was one thing where I was like, holy cow, now when you're vetting a coach, you should probably sit down and talk to them or have a conversation with them, ask them questions, see if they actually know what they're talking about versus just looking at a post that says, hey, this is how your liver works, or this is how your gut works, or blah, 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 unless these people are freely speaking about this. And like you said, um, I don't think we talked about it on the podcast. We were actually talking about it before we started recording, but you were like, dude, sometimes I get talking and I'm so nerdy that people don't understand what I'm talking about, and so I've learned how to t- to tone it down so it's to more understandable language. And that's when you realize you really actually know what they're talking about when you you don't have word vomit. And um I was like mad respect for this because When you talk to a prospective coach or likewise a prospective client, they should be able to tell you these things without being like, oh, yeah. And it's okay as a coach not to know, too. And it's okay as a coach to say, you know, I actually have never messed with that and I don't know. Let me find someone who does or let me look into that further or maybe flat out. I just don't know that a good coach is going to say I have no idea.
0: I actually misspoke the other day. And when I misspoke, I realized I misspoke. I was like, hold up. I was like, there's about a 95% chance I was a misspeak. I was like, I will get back to you guys. Mm-hmm. I literally sent a scientific study saying I was wrong, mm-hmm. but I was right from a certain aspect, from a certain perspective. But in the majority of the aspect, my, my, what I, the phrase I said was incorrect.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But this is what was correct about that phrase. And this is actually the truth. And this is why. And you know, you can only get better if you know you're wrong if you never say that you're wrong, if you if you have, if you walk on stage, you don't have enough muscle tissue and you are actually peaked really well. And you say that you're flat and you don't need to get bigger. That's on you. You're just not going to get better. Mm-hmm. So I think you need to be humble to a degree. I think it's a huge thing. Um, understanding where you're wrong or right. I, I think I've never learned actually from winning. I've always learned from losing. Mm-hmm. Um, and a loss is never a loss unless you allow it to be a loss, because from a fundamental aspect, is growing pains are growing pains because it's painful. We have to go through it. The crap, like a painkiller, it would never know that it needed when it was in pain, and it would never know that shell and to get into a bigger shell to grow bigger. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I kind of live my life by is like you have to just go through the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. You can tell someone all day, every day, "Hey, don't drugs. Drugs are bad." You know what's going to happen? They're going to smoke weed and be like, "Oh my gosh, I have so much anxiety right now." Mm-hmm. That was awesome, and they're going to go through that experience no matter what, whether you tell them or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's just life. You know, life's beautiful because of the experiences that we have. You have the choice to look at it in a negative way or positive way. That. We don't control our circumstances, but we do control the actions that we take upon those circumstances. Mm -hmm. And that's the awesome thing about everything is Mm -hmm. our environment, some things we don't control, but the things that we do control and the actions that we do take upon what is going on, we can choose to fight someone, or we can choose to say, Hey, like I'm good on, I'm gonna walk away now, or B, I'm guessing you have something bigger going on in your life. That don't want to fight you right now, uh-huh. and that's usually the case. Is insecurities are projected outwards, and that creates a massive turmoil. And that's where humility comes into play is being able to be understanding that the humility and being humble allows you to get so much further in life, and allows you to be more relatable. The more that I've learned, the more I've forgotten, and you know it's actually funny how this works, like. There is so much scientific data in my head. Mm -hmm. And the more that I have learned, the more simple I've made things and the better results I have gotten. And if you can just talk to people, which requires understanding how someone perceives something, everyone's language is different because everyone has a different lens of life. Mm -hmm. I don't walk the same walk of life that you have. The person that you were sitting next to may walk a more similar life than you and has a more similar lens, but even their lens is different. Mm -hmm. When I say something to you, you may view it as negative, but if I said a word difference, you may view it as positive.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Or my energy, things like that matter. Mm -hmm. And being able to connect with that coach and understanding their psychology and their philosophies is probably the most important aspect. Being able to relate to that person and understanding that they are going to be able to talk to you. That is going to build that strong communication, that strong relationship. Mm -hmm. So the if they don't even get on a phone call with you to start, good luck.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So with that being said, we're running a little short on time. Is there anything we miss that we, that you feel would be an extremely valuable thing for people to take into consideration when they're thinking of starting a contest prep and hiring a
2: contest prep coach?
0: I would find someone to the best of your ability that has experience within the bodybuilding space as a friend that you mm-hmm. can confide in from an unbiased perspective. Because there is always some type of bias that comes into an equation. But I would definitely lean on someone that has done it at least for advice and what they have found to be helpful. Mm-hmm. Most likely they're going to have some ideas that you're not going to think about, such as simple as when you travel to a show. When you travel to a show, make sure that you have sheets because if you're in those sheets, that's a $300 fine Mm -hmm. in the night, you know, Mm -hmm. something as simple as that. Um, But I think that if I had one piece of advice, it would be to have a friend within the industry that you can confide in or connect with people within the industry to see what their experiences are, right? Not everyone, some people may say that a coach is the worst thing that has ever happened to them. Uh-huh. And then you'll find someone else that says they have the best person I've ever met my entire life. They've changed my life completely. Uh-huh. So ask a few people, don't just ask one person. I always actually ask people, I'm like, look, I was like, sometimes I ask people, I'm like, I'm just curious, like what bucket of coaches I get put into. Because if you're interviewing me, I hope you're interviewing other coaches, like see who you connect with best. Uh-huh. Like don't just interview one coach, interview multiple coaches, see who you connect with the best. That's uh-huh. the one advice I would offer.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've even gone so far as to be like, "Hey, you can interview me and then I will give you a list of other people that I really trust so yes. that so that I know that you're actually going to be in good hands when you do your contest prep." Uh because man, it scares me when somebody doesn't choose me and they go with somebody else. I'm always a little bit concerned for their overall health cuz who knows what kind of situation they're going to end up in, right?
0: Yeah, and I'll never speak ill on anyone. I think, "Oh, that's another coaching material. Coaches that speak ill of other coaches or other people just in general, like kind of like an athlete coach hopping from coach to coach to coach and just saying that like this coach wasn't right for me it's like the top coaches in the world and they just keep coach hopping and stuff like that it's like we're probably friends with each other by the way the other coaches. yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah totally <laughs> so, I mean yeah it's it's all relative I suppose there are but there are definitely some people out there that probably should not be coaching and so sometimes you know I just get a little worried that maybe people end up in the, and they, and they may have a giant following too, and they may, but then they come to coaches like you and I that have to fix them afterwards. So there is that.
0: I hate to say it, but it literally kept me in business. It brought me into the business and it kept me in business with yep. uh, six people, unfortunately, which I wish was not the case, honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So And
1: you get that from people a lot too, where they're like, well, so-and-so looks so good, but I'm like, for how long? That's the question.
0: You know, there's always a point in diminishing return in extremes, right? Like, you have to lay off the gas pedal at some point in time. Again, we're not race cars. You can stay on the gas pedal for so long. You're eventually either going to run out of gas or your engine's going to blow out. There's Mm -hmm. like two different options there. So, you need to eventually come in for a pit stop, take a break. Mm -hmm. It's called focusing on life. Like, after a show, the best thing that you can do, my word of advice, is go on a vacation.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Well, how can people find you if they want to find you and read your stuff and look into you or maybe interview you for their own coaching uh story?
0: Yeah. My name on Instagram that I'm well known for is Dynamite D underscore D. That was actually a nickname by the way. So Dynamite Dave was the only nickname I was given given as a kid. So that's what I kind of stuck with. And then eventually when I got older, I got mosquito for my last name and Skeeter when I was in college. And I, I was out of the 90s show Doug, Skeeter yeah (laughs) that's a youtube channel that's under my actual name david mesquita and then my tiktok channel is under my name most stuff is under my name besides my instagram actually okay yeah well sweet
1: i'll put all that in the notes too as well so people can look into you and i certainly appreciate you taking some time out to give us some wisdom today
0: no i really appreciate you having me on
1: it's been awesome and hopefully we will talk on here again soon sometime
0: Absolutely. We can nerd out some time together.
2: Thanks for tuning in. To learn
1: more about me, my online programs, or to inquire about coaching, please visit www.connynightingale.com. And remember, nothing in the contents of this show is intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any illness, and it is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult with your primary care physician before implementing any new health
0: protocols.